Heating Up the UK is part of the Big Heads Media Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. Here's your host, Dan Healy, also known as at the Miami Heat UK. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I am your host, Dan Healy, and today marks the second episode of my Heat Media MVP week, and um, I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by the Miami goat of content from the Five on the Floor podcast and the Five Reasons Sport Network. I'm very pleased to be joined by Ethan Skolnick. Ethan, how are you, sir? It's good to be with you. I'm good. Excellent. Well, I mean, as, as good as anybody could be under the circumstances, <laughs> as we were discussing before we got on the air. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, circumstances have changed. And for us content providers, it's stay safe and give people something to do. You know? Well, this is this is it. And I, I really I really admire that attitude. And you guys, um, I mean, just doing a fantastic job. Um, I mean, you'll, you'll struggle to find um, a, a more enthusiastic and dedicated listener than I am over here in the UK. But for um, for the guys that don't know, um, can you just give us a, a, a quick rundown of uh, the Five on the Floor podcast and what you guys provide um, for the Five Reasons Sport Network uh, as for coverage in Miami? Yeah, I appreciate that, Daniel. Um, you know, we're, we're basically uh, we've been around for about a year and a half. I've, I've covered the heat since 1996. So I, I covered them for mainstream outlets for more than, well, I guess two decades. I feel old. Um, but basically it did it for newspapers. Also was a, an afternoon drive a radio host and uh, did a lot of television as well. And we started a podcast network and five on the floor kind of was an outgrowth of a bunch of other platforms, but essentially it's a blend. Uh, what we do in the five reasons sports network is we have traditional media people like myself. And then we have people who kind of came from social media who had developed their own followings and who I kind of call fanalists. Um, yeah. you know, they're, they're more than fans. Uh, but until they sort of got with my network, they weren't credentialed. So what we've basically done is, you know, we've taken a couple of them, uh, on my podcast in particular, Two people who used to be with Miami Heat beat, Alphonse Sidney, who we kind of jokingly call the Heat Twitter president, and <laughs> and, and Alex Toledo goes by Tropical Blanket on Twitter, um, who's who's about 12 years old. But essentially, uh, you know, we, the, the three of us, uh, you know, come from very different perspectives on this. So, you know, they they were covering games this year. We had three credentials to every home game, so it was typically the three of us or somebody that we rotated in when one of them couldn't make it. But you know, we, we've essentially, uh, you know, created a platform that is kind of a combination of inside information and and then also more sort of passionate analysis. I, I think we're past the point in sports where you can just essentially cover a, a you know, a, a cover from afar. I, I think the fans want to feel like you're invested. You know, I always grew up with all these objectivity rules and you can't root for a team and I still don't, but I can work with people who do. And mm -hmm. so, that's kind of where we are, and so uh, oftentimes when I'm being a little too clinical, uh, you know, or, or or sort of objective, you know, they they will call me on it. And at the same time, when they're being fanatics and totally out of control, I can bring I can bring them back to earth. And so I do think it's a good mix. Um, we've also got our website, FiveReasonSports.com. You spell that out. 
FiveReasonSports.com. We got a bunch of heat content, a lot of NFL stuff going on now. And actually, yep. you know, we met, we mentioned where you where you are. Um, one of the three hosts of our Three Yards Per Carry podcast, which covers the Miami Dolphins, which is one of our two most popular podcasts in the network. Uh, Simon Clancy is actually based in uh, London. He's right. just, yeah, he's a huge. Uh, so the accent is familiar to me. He's a huge uh, <laughs> Dolphin fan, but more than that, and, and very well sourced and very close with people like Aaron Rodgers. So he's uh, he's pretty connected, and so so he kind of handles our, us on the NFL side, but on the NBA side, you know, Five on the Floor is our primary podcast. Yeah, and um, I mean, I've as I said, since the inception of it, um, I think that you could probably count on one hand the amount of podcasts that I've missed since you've started that. And I think that at the moment with uh, with Alf and Alex as well, uh, along with yourself, of course, I think that, you, that there's that perfect blend of, of obviously incredible insight and knowledge and humor and just fan like that fan dedication that you can feel coming through each episode. So from my opinion, it's it's unrivaled. So it's gold tier standard. So keep it up. Appreciate it. Okay, right, on to, uh, actually, before we, we get into content, first of all, obviously, very important to ask, how is everything in Miami? Are you safe? Are you healthy? Is your daughter healthy, et cetera? How's things? Yeah, I appreciate you asking about my daughter. Um, she's fine, and, and she'll be with me uh, all weekend, which I'm, I'm looking forward to. But uh, she, she, she you know, kids are the most resilient, right? They, yes. They, you know, until they're without their friends for the next month, then, then we'll see what happens. But for right now... Uh, she she has plenty to do and, and all that. I mean, we're we're down here. I mean, you know, I, it's no secret that I'm not a, not a huge fan of the current administration and, and haven't really agreed with a lot of the things that they've done to handle this. I, I think the same is probably going on in a lot of other countries, maybe not to this extreme. But, uh, you know, we weren't really prepared or, or weren't prepared by a government that was aware of what was going on. And so, uh, you know, I, I still don't think it's really sunk in. There's, there's a huge percentage yeah. of the populace here that just either I, it's on really on two ends of the spectrum in America there there's of the generations you know with the baby boomers so to speak which is kind of the 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 those that are Trump's age uh, they didn't believe anything still don't believe it to a large degree because he said it was a hoax uh, yeah. and so that's on one end of the spectrum and on the other end of the spectrum there's the youngest generation which is Gen Z uh, yeah. and, and they they just don't care so it's so it's it's in there at spring break. So so those two things and those of us who are caught in the middle, the Gen Xers and and the millennials, uh, we are just watching this chaos and, and you know, people on the beaches and everything. And I, I don't think, you know, in America, they've really sort of recognized what this is going to be. I, I live very close. I live in downtown Fort Lauderdale, which is, you know, a small city. It's not Miami, but it's a small city. And I live very close to a, one of the big hospitals. And I can tell you, this is like the first time all day I haven't heard an ambulance going by. Uh, and that, yeah. you know, so so I, I do think that uh, whether that's people who think they have symptoms or, or people who actually have symptoms, uh, I think this is going to be ugly for a very long time, unfortunately. Yes, similar sort of situation over here. Unfortunately, people seem to have this arrogance that they think they're they're just invincible to it, which is uh, never going to be the case. So um, yes, hopefully um, you stay safe, stay um, healthy, and uh, obviously good luck um, entertaining your daughter. I'm sure she'll be fine. I my first day today um, in full self isolation, and mm. uh, I was playing with my four year old, and he wanted to play <laughs> I Spy today, and it started <laughs> like it started like this. He went I Spy with my little I something big red. And I just thought, oh, God, <laughs> it's oh, going to be a long day. So uh, he just didn't get that concept. So, uh, oh, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a long uh, couple of months. But we'll see. Anyway, let's talk some basketball. Sure. Um, right. So um, I, I 
I listened to your podcast uh, a few days ago talking about Pat Riley and he's celebrating mm-hmm. his uh, 75th uh, anniversary. And I, I wanted to sort of touch on a few things that I found really interesting. Um, now, myself, I was uh, a few days ago just scrolling through um, uh, Miami's YouTube content and uh, I was just looking for anything, just something to fill some voids. And I was mm-hmm. watching the um, uh, the Vice Nights intro that we had mm-hmm. last year, which was the mm-hmm. one where everyone was in the lovely black jerseys and they had the uh, the Phil Collins in the air of the night with all the players in the rain and so on. And I looked through that roster and we had James Johnson, Tyler <laughs> Johnson, Hassan Whiteside, Dion Waiters, Justice Winslow, and I thought Dwayne Wade. And I thought, well, out of all of these players, I think Kelly and Bam were the only mm-hmm. constants that were still there. And I thought this mm-hmm. was a year ago, one year yep. ago. Yep. Um, now, I spoke to Will yesterday and we, we we touched on this a little bit about, you know, this complete transformation of this current roster and, um, you know, who who sort of is responsible for it. Maybe maybe a, an overachievement so far. And he sort of said, well, look, you've got to first and foremost, give it to the players and the coaching. But going back to Pat, I mean, mm-hmm. the this incredible saying that's become famous of his now, um, which was the, there are no obstacles, right. there are, well, there are tons, but there are none. I mean, <laughs> right. does, does that, does this become, did Pat see this? Does he deserve some credit for this? Does he deserve the credit for this? Uh, he deserves a lot of credit for it. I think he deserves as much credit as he does blame for what happened in 16 and 17. I, I think mm-hmm. we have to, to parcel this out, and that's one of the things that we got into on the podcast is things over the years that Pat has been given credit for that I don't necessarily believe he deserved the most credit for and other things that I think he's not given enough credit for. And I think there's sort of equal parts of both. Uh, I, I mentioned on the podcast that I think that most of the things that happened with Dwayne Wade and the Heat's history, Pat has given too much credit for. I, I mm-hmm. just think that, you know, whether it's from the drafting of him, which was sort of a happy accident uh, yeah. in a lot of ways, if you know the history of it, uh, to the 2010 acquisition of LeBron and Bosch, which really was Dwayne and Andy. I would give the most credit for that. It was Andy kind of seeing the future and paving the way and clearing the contracts and then also you know uh you know Dwayne you know being the, the the fulcrum the one that they wanted to play with I think Pat's actually third in terms of 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 the the reason that 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 happened the big three happened but I do think there are a lot of other things that he deserves enormous credit for. I think one thing, and I mentioned this on the pod, is just sticking by Eric Spolster all these years, which other executives would not have done, particularly if they were former coaches. And and Pat had a problem early on kind of staying out of Eric's hair. Uh, But over time, I think that's gotten better. And a lot of coaches cannot learn to do that. And Pat is a coach at heart. And so I give him a lot of credit because Eric told me long before he talked about this publicly, we used to talk during the 2011-2012 season a lot. And one of the things that Eric told me was I should have been fired three times. I should have been fired when we got LeBron because other executives would have done that to make sure that they had the experienced coach. I, I should have been fired when we were 9-8 and eight in 2010-2011. I should have been fired after we lost the 11 finals. Now, we can agree – we can disagree on some of that because he was not most at fault for the 11 finals. LeBron was. Now, Eric didn't have a good finals. He, I thought he got out coached by Rick Tar- Carlisle. Mario Chalmers should have been playing ahead of Mike Bibby before game six. Okay, There's a lot of things you can pick at. But, but I do think that over time, I think what Pat did, and I think this plays into the podcast we just put out today, the stability has come from the top of the organization with Mickey mm. and the Arisons which bled down to Pat, and then Pat has created stability, where literally, if you look at a media guide from 1996, 
everybody in there is still there. Uh, I, mean, mm. I mean, whether it's Andy Ellisberg to Eric Reed, I mean, they're all still yeah. to Jose Pineda. I mean, they're all the organization is the organization. Some people have shuffled roles like a Keith Askins or a Tony Fiorentino or Ron Rothstein mm-hmm. or Bob McAdoo, but they're still or Chet Kammerer, but they're all still there. Yeah, and, it's incredible. And, and, and I think that that's uh, that is a credit to Pat. But getting into kind of this past offseason, you know, I wrote a column. Look, the Jimmy Butler thing was was the big thing, and and Pat had made it clear, and even put out the public signals that all we need is one guy to decide he wants to play here. Now, when all this went down, and Jimmy was in Minnesota, you know, again, I'm going to toot my own horn for this a little bit. You know, Woj and Shams came out with the reports that you know his list, and Miami was not on the list, and I, I I'm sorry. I mean, I I had talked to people around Jimmy and around Dwayne. And I just knew and to Dwayne <laughs> and I just knew that that was not not the case. Um, mm-hmm. And so we were kind of out there first as far as Jimmy's interest in the heat. Now, once that happened, everything else falls in line from there. Right. Because mm-hmm. if and he's made that point and that's the obstacles, which really we should put on a T-shirt. But that's the obstacles quote. The point is they couldn't do it themselves. But once a guy decided that the heat organization and what they'd established, their quote unquote culture was for him. Once that was established, the Heat have the best cap guy in the league, uh, the guy that people in the NBA go to for to find out what their own rules are. Okay, which is Andy yep. Ellis. And so once that was gonna ha- once that happened, it was easy to kind of not easy, but it, it was something that they could create. And I can tell you, I've had a conversation with Jimmy's agent who told me that he sat in Andy Ellisberg's office and watched this happen on the night that the Jimmy Butler – I haven't even talked about this in the pod – the night that the Jimmy Butler trade went down. And he said it was the greatest bit of maneuvering he's ever seen from an executive. Um, like that thing was supposed to fall apart 12 yeah. times. If you remember yeah. – yeah. Right. I mean, remember, I mean, there was this 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 miscommunication or whatever yeah. between Dallas Derek, and Miami. And Dragic was supposed to go there and then they had to basically come up with a first round pick to give to the Clippers and then Harkless, who they had planned on keeping. And so th- there was this maneuvering that was done. And at some point, maybe I'll be able to get Andy to actually talk to me about it. But I, I think that, uh, you know, that that was the thing. Once a player decided he wanted to come then it was it became possible to reshape it. But you still have to give him credit. I mean, the reality is we can blame him for all those contracts you mentioned. And I think all of those contracts were a product of Pat being sensitive and sentimental. Mm -hmm. He was hurt by the way that the big three ended. He talked about barbecues. I'm looking in my in my apartment. I have some photos. I wish I had more, but I have some photos of the big three all together. And and the and the, what what Udonis calls the little twelve, and there was an expectation that that group was going to stay together a long time. Right now, some of it the Heat did to themselves, the Joel Anthony, the Mike Miller, but the rest of it, everybody else left unhappy. Mm-hmm. Like LeBron left unhappy and wanted to go. Bosch was unhappy. That wasn't the Heat's fault. Okay, that yeah. was a medical thing, and I think they were in the right. Dwayne left unhappy. Rio left unhappy. He said to I don't know if I can curse on this one, but he basically yeah, said to me, he said to me that week, okay, that all that stuff was going down. He says these motherfuckers need to tell me what they're doing with me. He mm-hmm. wasn't happy. Shane yeah. Battier wasn't happy with Spo at the end. Okay, Ray Allen, okay, and, and not playing in a game seven. He went to uh, if you remember the Indiana series before the finals mm-hmm. that year, and remember the finals he had that great game. But in the Indiana series, he didn't play in game seven, and he went yeah. to a a karaoke bar in Coconut Grove and sung Oasis's "Don't Look Back in Anger." Uh, he w- he was not happy. Ray Allen wasn't speaking to Spo, 
at the end. Okay. He was, he was kind of, he played a little bit of a locker room lawyer and he was not happy with a lot of things that were going on. Some of that has come out since, but there was more. So all of these guys kind of left unhappy. It left a bad taste with Pat. So what happens? He gets some guys who show some effort, put a bunch of nice pictures about culture on Instagram, like <laughs> James Johnson and Dion waiters. Dion wrote a piece for the players tribune. And so he rewarded all of them. Now, part of it, I think, again, was personal and sentimental. Pat's more sentimental. Trust me, I've experienced this. He's more mm -hmm. sentimental uh, than he's given credit for, so to speak. And whether you think that's a positive or a weakness, he's more sentimental than he's given credit for. But also, uh, some of it, I, I, I think, uh, was that he wanted to show the league that he took care of his players. Because there was a perception that was getting out there that they didn't. And so he oversigned all of these guys. They had yeah. no competition for James Johnson. They had no competition beyond one year from, mm. I believe the Lakers, and the Knicks for Dion waiters. And now the only one they had competition for was Hassan. And that's understandable, but they basically lost Dwayne's heart as a result of it. And so I think that, that what he has to be given credit for is when you create stability in an organization and the same people are there, you are able to then go back and fix your mistakes with those people. The difference is if you're the, say, Miami Dolphins, okay, who we cover down here, and they have nine different coaches in 12 years and constantly different general managers, you can't fix anything because it's just throwing out the old and going in with new bad stuff. But the Heat were able to recognize, okay, this was a mistake, okay? Yeah. We're not going to do this again. We're never going to take ourselves out of the room with elite talent because we've oversigned players who we can basically develop in the G League. Yeah. And that's and that's the other shame of it was that they could create a Rodney Magruder. They were able to create go create another Tyler Johnson. Go create another Hassan Whiteside. We've seen what they've done this year with Kendrick Nunn, okay? And and with Duncan Robinson. Like it's not necessary to yeah. go pay those players on the open market when you can develop them. So I give Pat great credit for that. And the final thing I give Pat credit for is he also recognized, I think, and he I don't know if he'll say this, the most important thing to do was repair the relationship with Dwayne. Yes. Everything else flows with that. Jimmy Butler's not here if not for that. Uh, Chris exactly. Bosch Chris Bosch probably doesn't get his number retired right away if mm -hmm. not for that. And these players worship Dwayne. And whether or not we think that that was over the top last year and whether this year's celebration was over the top, it needed to be done. There needed to be sh it needed to be shown the Heat organization cares about the most important player in its history. And I think that has flipped the whole thing. So I, I think Pat has had I think Pat had a pretty awful two years for him. I think he's had a miraculous last year. Uh, and I don't think it's just him. I think he has more voices around him now who he's actually listening to who have influence on him. And I think that's been a positive. Yeah, uh, it's uh, incredible really to listen to in full flow there because all the questions that I had as a follow up, <laughs> which were, you know, uh, about Spo nearly getting sacked three times, about the overpaying of the players. Um, and um, I, you just sort of answered them all in the relationship repair with with, uh, with Dwayne Wade there. So, yeah, I mean, brilliantly summed up. Uh, great insight as always. How do you see it ending for Pat? It's a great question. I had a, a long sit down with him, uh, only one I've ever had in his office. I had a long sit down with him after LeBron left. And I went into that without uh, any plans to really ask him much about LeBron. I thought a lot of it would be off limits. I was working for Bleacher Report at the time, 
And so it was a national outlet. And he was he unloaded on LeBron in that interview. I was not anticipating. And I kept looking at the the media relations person who I've known for 20 years, looking at him like, do you want me to stop? But Pat wanted to go off on it. And um, but one of the things he said during that particular interview was that he wanted one last walk into the sunset. And it wouldn't be the sunset. He said, we're going to win one more title. And then Chris, his wife, and I are basically going to disappear. We're not even going to go to the locker room. We're literally going to get on a flight to Paris, and you will not see us again. Now, I didn't believe him completely at the time, but I do believe that the goal was basically not revenge against LeBron, but proof that it wasn't all LeBron. Mm. Um, And so I think that's what drove him. Then he went through this difficult period. I I think – I'll be honest with you. I think if Jimmy Butler doesn't decide to come to Miami – Pat might have given up on it. Now, yeah. I don't have any inside information about that, but remember, they struck out. He, he made a pitch for Aldridge. They had no money, okay, and he almost got him. They made the pitch for Durant. They were always a long shot in that situation because yeah. they didn't have anything to put around Durant. Mm-hmm. Um, they they made the pitch for Gordon Hayward. They may have gotten lucky, but well, who knows if he gets hurt if he goes, but I never thought he was worth that kind of money. They, they, uh, you know, they made the pitch for Gordon Hayward, and they finished a close second. And so I think that if Jimmy doesn't come, which again doesn't happen if Dwayne doesn't come, I think it's possible that Pat just says, you know what, I've done enough as a steward of this organization, I'm going to turn up. But now that Jimmy's come, and now that Giannis is out there, he's back on the hunt. Exactly. Now, now, Now I think that we have to discuss, and we did on our pod today, coronavirus may change some things. um, Mm. Because... I don't know what the heat's what the heat salary. I don't. Well, first thing, I don't know what the NBA salary cap situation is going to look like if they lose forty uh, percent of their revenue this year after what happened with the China situation with Daryl Morey, yeah. which already cut it. I don't know if fans are going to come back right away to public places, uh, even if they go without fans during the next sort of portion of the year just to salvage the TV contract. Uh, so I don't know, like a lot of the things we've talked about, about Giannis, and then here's the other elephant in the room, and Jim Cramer on our CNBC here, which is the lead business channel in America, and Cramer is kind of the guru, he's not always right, but the guru basically said, he was taking a look at the new bills that were being debated in, in the U.S. Senate today, and essentially cruise ships are not going to be considered a, a uh, an essential business. Maybe <laughs> airlines will, but cruise ships are not, right? Yeah, I understand and, that. And that may affect – I mean, Mickey Harrison's bottom line has taken a huge, huge hit right now, and that is his yeah. business. I mean, the stock's down more than 70%. Are the Heat still going to spend into the luxury tax? Mm. Is Mickey going to have to be forced to sell the team because it's his only asset that's a plus? How much is that asset going to be depressed? Mm. I think there's a lot of questions we need to start thinking about, and you know, Heat fans don't want to hear it. Oh, this will no. go away. Everything go back to normal. We've got to start thinking about it. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Really good point. And it's yeah, it's wor- it's worrying. It's a worrying thing to have to have to maybe try and address. But yeah, okay. Well, um, look, we'll we'll park the 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 Pat stuff there. I, I just want to ask one other thing before we come on to sure. um, maybe where we see where we go forwards. Um, you've always sort of the, the Heat have always had quote unquote culture, and it's always mm-hmm. been something that you've quite oftenly said that you've never liked. What's the what's, <laughs> what's the ex- explain? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll explain. I, I will tell you that I don't generally love the slogans because I think slogans are hard to live up to unless uh, – because you can never live up to them 100%. The, the slogan I really didn't like was Heat Lifer, and I, I, know, I know that they got that from Dwayne, 
But again, look what happened after they coined it, okay? Uh, and again, I think this played into some of the bad decision-making that was made by Pat to try to keep guys because everybody, like I said, didn't prove to be a heat lifer from the big three yeah. teams, right, except except UD. So, I mean, he's the only heat lifer, right, yep. true heat lifer. So I th- and now I think they're still sort of paying for that because, I mean, I, UD's my favorite all time, but I, mm-hmm. you know, Probably should be an assistant coach at this point. Probably yes. not saying not saying for sure, but you know I know he's kicking everybody's ass at practice, and he'll kick my ass if he hears this. But I just, you know, w- there were times this year the Heat needed a roster spot of somebody that that Spo was going to play consistently, and I think Udonis can play limited minutes, but Spo wasn't, so you know they were basically down a spot. But I, I think that, that that was my problem with the term Heat Lifer is that you know you, you when you set yourself up for failure because Heat Lifer is that's perfection. You can't keep everybody forever. And sometimes it's not wise to now heat culture. The reason I didn't like it at first was because it kind of became the substitute for heat lifer. It's like, well, okay, the heat lifer thing didn't work. Dwayne's gone. Um, So now we're going to create culture. And the problem with culture is culture gets you to buy into 30 and 11. Uh, and, And so, you know, when you have a bunch of guys that are scrappy and they're playing hard, it's heat culture. Now, but heat culture only takes you so far. Like heat culture develops a Duncan Robinson or or Ronnie Mag- Ronnie Magruder is the best example of yeah. this. Okay, not not as much like, like develops a Ronnie Magruder. But then when heat culture is you know accompanied by not being able to get any stars or you've overpaid guys so you can't use your cap space and become be the premium destination that you're supposed to be, what heat culture becomes is Ronnie Magruder playing 32 minutes, yes. and and, th- and that's the problem. Okay, and I think. Now it's better to say heat culture now that Jimmy Butler is leading your heat culture, now that a developed Bam Adebayo is leading your heat culture, and then the other culture guys. Like then it's okay. You get Jay Crowder and you're like, wow, he's a heat culture guy. Right, because you're not paying him what you were paying these other guys. So I don't have a problem with the idea of the heat having an identity. I think that is fine. I think what happened was the so-called identity became a substitute for talent procurement. And, and, and the heat did that to themselves because you never with an organization with this track record, with this weather, with no state tax, uh, with everything else that Miami offers, most of these guys live down here. Anyway, Miami should never be forced to develop guys because they can't attract guys because they have used their cap space. The development to me is the supplemental piece. Now this year it went way beyond, okay, and they deserve credit for that. But it should never be the forefront piece, okay? And for Riley it's not, okay? And why did they have to do this? Well, Spo basically developed, you know, changed his coaching staff and started focusing even more on development because they didn't have a star. And so, you know, now they have, you know, not a mega star, but they have a star in Jimmy yep. Butler. They have a star in Bam Adebayo who could become a mega star. And now mm-hmm. they need one more piece. And that's and that's the way that I view it. Yeah, absolutely beautifully explained. And you've actually led this on very well because um, you've just said, yeah, yeah, we've got, we've got a star in Jimmy. We've got a absolute star in the making with bam so we're very much it's no secret that we're very much run now um to maybe have it well to without a doubt to make a run at a third mega star and this uh is no secret is likely to be uh Giannis. now let's come on to that because th- it's no secret that we, we, we this is going to be our guy that we're going to make a, a play for now do you see 
this as a completely realistic um, you know, opportunity to, to land him? Do you see that there's many other options out there for you, Arnis? I mean, who, who do you think, realistically, where, where do the Heat stand on this? Would you put us amongst the favourites? I have, uh, I have, and and I, I actually you know, I, I know you have with the with well, the I, and, and, <laughs> no, right, the t-shirts and part of that's marketing, but yes, I have, and and I, you know, I wrote about a, you know six weeks ago that the Heat are building a team for Giannis to love. Um, they've made no secret behind the scenes that he's a target. Why wouldn't he be? But they've 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 have shooters, they have toughness, uh, guys who play hard. These are all things that appeal to Giannis. Now, whether the city does or not is another matter. He's kind of made it clear he doesn't love Miami. I don't really understand it. Uh, but he is a small-town guy. I, I think he might recognize when he's down here more often that Miami can have a small-town feel in some places, okay, whether it's Wynwood or Cuyahoga. There, there are some places that can have that feel. But I, I understand – I mean, it's not New York, okay, but I, I can understand. As far Now, do they have interest? Absolutely, of course. Uh, are they one of the players for him? Yes, and one of the big reasons is Giannis doesn't want to work out with anybody. He's made that clear. He didn't want to work out with LeBron. He didn't want to work out with Durant. He doesn't like the whole idea of working out with competitors. That actually is something very appealing to Pat Riley. The only guy he works out with is Bam Adebayo. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the now, the, now, one of the reasons for that is they share the same agent, but that's also a positive. Yeah. That agent doesn't have anybody else prominent in the whole league. Those are his two. So, so you're and, and Giannis likes Bam, and like I said, works out with him. So, all you put all those things together, and it starts to make a lot of sense. Now, who else would be interested in him? The two franchises that I've heard the most are Toronto and Dallas, uh, mm-hmm. for different reasons. Toronto, because of the international nature of it and because of his relationship with Masai Ujiri. Oh, yeah. And the other thing is that they have their uh, – to me, it's Toronto and Miami are the best developmental organizations in the East So, and, and I think have done the best job with the least at times over the past couple of years. And so you know, in winning a championship, and Giannis saw it firsthand, uh, I think that that would be very appealing to him. The other one is Dallas, and that's Luka. Um, you know, yeah. the Dallas has some of the advantages that Miami does because there's no state tax, but Luka is a top five player. He's going to be for a decade, and you can put the two of them together. And the other thing is his skill set there fits better than it does with, say, Siakam yeah. in Toronto or Jimmy in Miami. Um, so I, I do think that both of those. Now, L.A. has been mentioned. It always should be mentioned. I, yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, I don't really know how it happens with the Clippers. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really know how it happens with the Lakers, frankly, if they bring back Anthony Davis. And I don't know that Giannis will want to play with LeBron. It does not strike me that he would. I, I know LeBron mm-hmm. very well. I don't I don't know Giannis that well, although I admire Giannis and have had only positive interactions with Giannis since he was a rookie. Uh, he gave me 20 minutes when he was a rookie before anybody knew he was. I, I really like Giannis. I don't I, as much as I like any star in the NBA, I just don't think he's a great fit with Braun. But um, I just think he sees he sees the world differently than LeBron does. But mm. but the and this uh, so it has to be a player who sees the world like LeBron does for it to work with LeBron. And Dwayne does uh, to a large degree. Giannis does not. So so what I would say is uh, those are the teams. But again, we cannot ignore what's happening, right? Yeah. So okay. So here here's what are some potential factors in this. And, and you're giving me an idea for my own pod. Like with Giannis, <laughs> well, I mean, with, with Giannis, like, is he going to leave Milwaukee now? I mean, if let's say mm-hmm. they don't finish this season, okay? Yeah, this is true. I, I mean, so because one of my arguments for him leaving Milwaukee was always, okay, if this feels like LeBron before he came to Miami, one, you know, small market team for a long time. I know it's not his hometown like LeBron, but uh, or close to his hometown because Cleveland is not LeBron's hometown. But like, but if if you looked at it, it was kind of 
you know, one place, long time, and difficulty getting an elite player to play with him because of that. LeBron tried with Bosch. They tried to do Stoudemire. They couldn't get anybody to go there uh, in Cleveland. And so the best player he ever played with there was probably Mo Williams. Then if you look at Milwaukee, it's it's pretty much Chris Middleton. Now, Middleton's taken a leap this year, but he's still not elite. Nah, he's nah. really good, but he's not elite. Um, and, so, and he's the best player they will ever get to play with him there. So yeah. my whole argument was Giannis might get tired of hearing that he can't win a championship if he didn't win over the next two years. And so then it becomes okay to leave. I gave you everything I could. We yeah. couldn't get the piece. But now yeah. if they lose this season because mm-hmm. they – you know, and he doesn't get a chance to fulfill it and next season's weird, yeah. I, you know, really I think – It's a really good point. It's a really good point. I think you look at it differently. It change, changes the landscape. Yeah, it's something that, yeah, that's right. It's, um, I hadn't thought of. So, yeah, up in the air, without a doubt. Um, interesting. Well, if you want any um, Five Reasons uh, T-shirts or merch, then uh, it was it's code, the discount code Yarnis21. And, uh, well, it was. It was. We changed. <laughs> it's definitely we changed, changed. It, changed. We have a discount code. If you go to FiveReasonSports.com, we do ship. We do ship to England, by the way. Uh, if we uh, we ship everywhere, FiveReasonSports.com. If you go there, you go to our merch site. The code this week for fifteen percent off is Miss Sports Five. So M I S S Sports Five, and that'll get you fifteen percent off. But there is a Giannis Bam Twenty One shirt there. Absolutely. There's also a We Got Shooter shirt. There's a Thank You D shirt. There is a uh, there's a Jimmy Canasta shirt, which is Spanish for Jimmy Buckets. There is a there is a Bucket Brothers shirt for Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler as well, and and a couple of others. So I'm on the box of Sixers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, they're all fire. And yeah, I did laugh when you had that discount code. It just made me made me tickle. The yarn is twenty one. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Right, well, um, we were we, well for a playoff series. I wanted to get ten thousand people wearing that shirt. <laughs> I, I and we will if there's ever a playoff series. That would be amazing, amazing. Right. Um, I'm conscious of time. Just very quickly. Um, I spoke to Will yesterday about potentially uh, how the season goes from here. He said that he was feeling around a sixty five percent chance that basketball would be played again this season. Do you see it higher or lower than that? Lower. Um, not, not by a lot. I, I have great admiration for Will, and, and I, I, I kind of know where he's coming from. And Will comes from the TV side, which if you come from the TV side, you, your, your inclination is to think they'll finish the season because they've got a lot of obligations to TV more than anything. But I just – I don't know. I, w- I would say 50 and maybe 45. I, I think Adam Silver wants to get something in. It's clear. He wants to take care of his partners. But Adam Silver is also – a more compassionate commissioner than a lot of others. And yeah. Adam Silver will err on the side of protecting people. And I and I admire that. He's the best commissioner in sports by far. But I I just think that, you know, if it comes to it and they have to cancel it, I you know, I, I don't understand why they would need just from a, a logist from not a logistical, but a seeding standpoint, why you'd even play the rest of the regular season. Because if you look at uh, you know, this you know, we've had you had a lockout shortened season a few years ago, which was 66 games. Yeah. Uh, that was – so all the teams right now are between 64 and 67. The one through eight seeds are pretty much set. The seeding discrepancy – I mean the one seeds are set. The eight seeds are pretty much set. And the seeding differences are like for five and six in the East. Who cares? Uh, you know, I mean Philadelphia yeah. and Indiana just – but the but there are other things that you know there is a TV concern they need to play a certain number of regular season games to satisfy TV partners although that might be able to get worked out there's also some CBA concerns with it uh, so I, I don't and then there's also the the issue of conditioning and okay we're just gonna throw guys into the playoffs I mean maybe they need a few games to get tuned up. 
But yeah. how are you get? Why are you going to get the Chicago Bulls and the Charlotte and Charlotte and Phoenix, you know, to come back and play meaningless games just to get everybody to seventy? Exactly. It's very exactly. complicated. So I, I my guess is that they may just table this thing. Now, if they if they table it and then start the season on time, or the other option is. They could decide to keep pushing this back and then play it and then start the next season in December. And if they do that, we could see a structural change in the NBA because there are some owners who for a long time wanted to get out of the way of the NFL here. And if you could start the season around Christmas or slightly before and go into the summer a little deeper, then you may have more time to yourself. Um, there's sort of a, a saying in the in the U.S. that you know, the NBA season starts on Christmas. And it, it, and the reason for that, even though the season really starts in mid-October, is because the NFL is basically decided yeah. on who the playoff teams are going to be. So yeah. I, th- I think there there could be a consideration of that. But I would mm. say about – I would say if they play again this year, I would say 50%. I know it's a cop-out, but I think if they play again, I think there's a 75% chance that it's without fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that that's yeah, it's an interesting concept. Yeah. Push the season back. Maybe have a shorter next season. Um, that may work. That may work. We, we'll see how it plays out. It's going to be um, it's all up in the air because the simple answer is nobody knows. Nobody knows how long this is going to uh, infect us. And that's why, again, I'll say it. If people want their sport back, we'll abide by government laws. The, the, if they're being told to isolate, then bloody we'll do it. And then we'll get our sport back a lot quicker. Right, um, final segment, uh, if you don't mind, please, Ethan. Um, really appreciate your time. Um, I just want to ask, this is something I've, I've designed here called um, How's Your Memory? Mm-hmm. And it's five five questions. Okay. Um, three of them, the first three are Miami Heat-related and the second, uh, the final two are just NBA-related. Um, Will went yesterday. He was uh, my dummy run, and he scored three, a very respectable three out of five. Okay. So you've got, you've got three to beat. Here we go. You ready? He's going to hold this over me. Okay, go ahead. As long as Jax gets fewer than me, that's all I care about. So <laughs> okay. Just hold Jax's number down, okay? Because Jax has embarrassed me on hot seconds when they used to do that with the uh, with the media. So don't, he got me on some stupid sitcom here in America. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll think of some tough ones for Jax. Right, okay, question one. How many triple doubles does Jimmy Butler have this season? Wow. Um, ooh. I mean, I know how many Bam has. Um it's not as many as bam i know that i am going to say i remember one i'm gonna go with one it's actually free toronto <laughs> washington and, At- and atlanta atlanta yes did they lose all three of those games um i think they won they definitely won the t- toronto one um they i'm not sure they, 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 they won quite, quite yeah, the one at Toronto. I'm pretty. You might be right. I think they might have lost the second two. Yeah. I, I think they lost the other two. Okay. Yeah. It, it, okay. There was this weird trend this year where, where the better Jimmy played, the the worse the team did. It's very <laughs> yes. strange. Very strange. It's like whenever Nunn and Duncan play well, they win. When when he played well, they didn't win. All right, go on. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I better. Ca- I got to get the next four. All right. Question two. What is Miami's current record? Wow. I'm gonna forget this because <laughs> it's been it's so. It's been so damn long. Um, okay, hold on. They were, well, okay, I know. Okay. I, no, 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 no. I, well, no, no. I, I know. I know the win total because they were. They were. Uh, wow. All right. Um, were they at 62 games? Hold on. No, no. They were at 64 games. Uh, so I'm gonna say. I should know this off the top of my head. This is embarrassing. Uh, is it 40? 
No, I was going to say 43 and 29, but no, that's 62 games. Um, it's not 42 and 31. They didn't. They they didn't lose that many. Uh, I I'm going to go with that. Okay, incorrect. It's 41 and 24. So it was 65 they got to. 65 they got oh, wow. to. Okay. I mean, this is a week, a week and a half without, and I, I forgot. Okay. It's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, to be honest, I didn't know when I was writing up these questions earlier. I didn't know. That's a so, good question. Uh, the, the Vegas number is forty-two and a half, so I, I, that's the one I was watching. But yeah, that's yep. uh, forty. Okay. Okay, you need all three to draw level with Will. So here we go. Question three: How many points per game is Jay Crowder making at the moment for Miami this season? And I'll give it to the nearest. You don't have to worry about the point. I was going to no, say the nearest uh, round figure. Ah, uh, well, I don't know to round up or round down. I'm going to say 10. It's 12. He's actually 11.9. Will is... Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> right, okay. Right. Am I going to go scoreless? I'm going to go scoreless. <laughs> We're not going to go scoreless. Right, here we go. This is uh, two NBA questions now. Question four. Yeah. Who has the worst away record in the East? The worst away record in the East. All right, hold on. Uh, you haven't got to give me the record, just the team. All right, let me... Well, okay. The worst teams are uh, New York, Atlanta... Um, nobody else, nobody else in the Atlantic, uh, nobody, nobody, um, Washington's was pretty awful for a while, but I don't think it's them. I don't think it's Charlotte. Uh, I'm going to go with Atlanta. Atlanta is correct. There we go. We got one. There we go. We're on the board. Six and 27 okay. Atlanta. Okay. okay. Final question for a respectable two out of five. Here yeah. we go. Uh, James Harden leads the league in points per game. Yes. Who is second? Uh, is it Trey Young? It is Bradley Bill with first. Ah, okay. What is game. what is Trey third? Because uh, Bradley I made think, the late no, surge. Yeah, Giannis was um was third, and then okay. I think it was uh, it was Trey after that. It was Trey after that. Wow, one out of five. One man. out of five. That's, okay. Well, we, 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 that's like we that's Derek that's Derek Jones from three. That's not <laughs> that's that's not, that's not good. That's not good. Oh. If um oh, that would have been a great name for this podcast, yeah, Derek Jones from Free. So brilliant. Um, All right. Well, not not really brilliant, actually, not really. Uh, but thank you though. I appreciate the time and no uh, problem. The embarrassment. I... Make sure Jax is shut out. That's all I care about. <laughs> Maybe I'll get you to write up um to write up Jax. I'll, I'll I'll come up with some. They're all gonna be before he joined the Heat. So we'll <laughs> Right, uh, Ethan, I really appreciate your time. Um, as I said to anybody that hasn't, I don't know what you're doing, but you've got to uh, you've got to check out Five Reasons Sport. You've got to check out the Five on the, on the Floor podcast. It is, in my opinion, the best out there. Um, f- f- uh, give uh, my thanks to Alf and Alex. They both do a fantastic job. I can't wait for um, the season to start again because uh, your content is uh, is unrivaled. But um, I appreciate what you're still doing. You know that people are bored. Um, you're trying to pump this all out as much as you can. And um, for us fans, that's uh, that's a godsend. So keep up the great work, Ethan. Well, much appreciated. It was really fun to join you, Daniel. Appreciate it. No and problem. Good luck. Be safe. Be safe. Thank you. Yes, and you, and you. So that's, uh, that was Ethan Skolnick from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Tomorrow, tune in. We've got uh, the voice of the Miami Heat. We've got Eric Reed joining me tomorrow. Then on Thursday, we've got Jax. Uh, Ethan's going to write up his questions. And, yes. then, uh, we've, and then Saturday, uh, we finish up with, uh, with Mike Inglis. Um, f- a fellow Brit, um, so I'm really looking forward to that. So the space is still open on Sunday. So if uh, if any player, hint hint, uh, Myers Leonard wants to join, the space is still open. <laughs> I'm gonna fight you for Myers, okay? I'm fighting you for <laughs> oh, Myers. Your, yeah, that's nothing, your best he's got buddy, nothing. Yeah. 
he's got nothing to do but Call of Duty. By the way, with Inglis, ask him if the Heat are currently giving up a 15-point lead because that's sort of Mike's thing. Like you, I, you'll turn on the radio, and I give Mike a hard time about this, but you turn on the radio, and you know, and Mike does a great job. But like you're listening, and I, I turn it on, and I'm like, and he's panicking, and I'm like, uh, and then he'll be a uh, Heat 51, Washington 38. I'm like, what? I thought <laughs> sounded like they were down 20. Uh, yeah. So so. There you, there you go. So give that Brilliant. to English. Yes. Okay. Will do. Noted. All right. Ethan, stay safe. Um, and um, thank you once again for coming on. And we'll see everybody else soon. We'll see you tomorrow with Eric Reid. Thanks a lot, guys.